to this week's episode of Get Your Comic Con, the podcast. My name is Neil. My name is Martin. And today we are going to be talking about a whole bunch of DC stuff, funnily enough, for us. So we are going to talk about this week's episode of Doom Patrol, which was called Flex Patrol. Then we are going to talk about the fifth issue of uh, Batman, The Man Who Laughs. And then we're going to wrap it up with not just a review, but a review and a competition for Justice League versus The Fatal Five. So Doom Patrol is now on its 13th episode. There's only two weeks left to go until the show is over for its first season. And we haven't spoken about this show on a podcast since about episode four. We stopped halfway through a two-parter and just didn't talk about it ever again. Well, that's not very good. No, that's not very good at all. So we're picking it back up at episode 13, which is nine weeks later. The DC Universe description for this episode reads, The Doom Patrol tries to restore the memories and abilities of Flex Mentallo, while Rita confronts her self-doubt and Larry realises how tied he is to the negative spirit. Before we get down to a bit of chat about this one, have a little listen to the episode's trailer. Do you remember Wally? I don't know. What's your superpower? I don't know. Ah! Myself, Billy. I'm race car driver Cliff Steele. Oh my god, is that you? You know, there actually was some buzz about a daytime Emmy for me after this aired. For what? Best supporting ass clown? superhero team I can actually use. I like the IMDB synopsis for this one, quite drastically different. IMDB says, Rita tries to soothe Victor during a difficult time while the rest of the team finds Flex Mentallo and tries to help him regain his memory. Slightly different. What do you know about Flex Mentallo? He's got a big beard in this episode. He does have a big beard in this episode, yes. What else can you tell me about Flex Mentallo? It's probably about it, really. He's got his own cereal line. Yes. Alright. Can you take a wild stab in the dark as to who invented Flex Mentallo? Is he another Grant Morrison? He is. Flex Mentallo is a comic book character created by writer Grant Morrison and artist Richard Case in 1990 during their run on Doom Patrol. Oh. Flex is in part a parody of Charles Atlas's long-running The Insult That Made a Man Out of Mac advertisements seen in American comics from the past. Well, who knew? That's quite obvious, really, because pretty much everything in this season of Doom Patrol is a, is a Grant Morrison invention, is it not? That's very true, because uh, we really need to read that run, to be fair. So this episode picks up right where the last one ended, with most of the Doom Patrol stuck in the ant farm, with poor Silas Stone sparked out on the floor, having been beaten up by Victor. What were your initial thoughts on this episode? I really liked it. I thought it was a very nice conclusion to the character development stories of all of these characters. We, we've got them to the point where they are now ready to be the Doom Patrol. We've only two episodes left. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they needed needed to happen. It needed to happen quite soon. I'm glad that this isn't going to be into the Titans where there's not really a story that wraps it up. We know they cut off an episode of Titans, obviously. But that show didn't galvanise together a team or push a team towards an ultimate goal. Whereas this episode does very much so. Yeah, it does sort of, it ties everything off quite nicely actually because we've, all, we've had that running theme of Mr Nobody trying to un, 
and pick all of them individually, get under their skin. Undermine them. Undermine them, as you will. Uh, but now they've sort of said, you know what? Stuff you, Mr. Nobody. We're now ready. Well, it's technically Rita that said that. Yeah. Who's probably not the character that you would have expected. No, but she is one of the best. She is. Well, they're all they're great in their own specific yeah. ways. I thought this episode was going to be a bit more random than it was because I didn't know very much about Flex Bentallo. And it starts out a bit weird with his flashback when you understand that he's like a spokesperson for a cereal box and he's all posy and cheesy and there doesn't seem to be much to his character and then there's a lot more to him. And then obviously you have the carryover from last week in the ant farm with the butts. Ah, uh, yes. The army of butts. The hungry butts. With nipples. Butts with nipples. I didn't see the nipples. They, they, all, really had yeah, nipples? they, all, they all had nipples. They all have nipples on top of the butt cheeks. Oh, I didn't see And that. then the butts are also mouths. Very, very weird. Quite typically Doom Patrol, though. Yeah. Fits in quite nicely, I suppose. Where we are now in the season, with only two episodes to, to, to go, do you still think that Cyborg belongs with the team, or does he belong elsewhere? No, I think I think that's it for Cyborg now, because at the, at the very end of this episode, spoilerific, <coughs> he's not there, he's not part of the team. But he is in the trailer for next week. Oh, but it feels like this is a natural time for him to say, you know what, I'm not part of your team. It does, yeah. It feels very natural that he could step away. He's going to step away to maybe maybe another team. The Justice League! He's not ready for them yet. He's not ready for them yet. He needs another team. He needs needs another team of his peers around the same age. He needs to move to Titans, is what you're saying. I think he would do very well with the Titans. It would be good to see him cross over, but we don't know that they're in the same world, so we don't know that it's the same cyborg. Well, they must be in the same world, surely. There's been no reference to the Titans coming to visit Doom Manor, or that Beast Boy was ever a part of the Doom Patrol. That's a good point. You also got to think that this series is set after Titans, because you had the Superboy reference. Yes. But then Larry is not as happy as he was... He's not as happy as Larry, ha-ha, oh. as he was in the Doom Patrol episode of Titans. Remember, he was dancing around the kitchen? Yes, but I've never seen him cook again. No. They're very different characters to what we saw in Titans. But it's interesting, because you have mentioned the Superboy fact, so that does ground it into the Titans world. Yes and no. So there's hope there. <laughs> there's hope. There's always hope. A fool's hope, but there's hope. What did you think of the guest appearance by Ed Asner from Up in this episode? Oh, I do like it. Uh, to be fair, it was he wasn't the character I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be the baby. I thought he was going to be the baby, too. I think we had the same theory, that he was going to turn out to be some sort of love child that Rita had had and left behind many years ago and finally caught up with. So that was that story really turned out quite unexpected to what I thought it was going to be in the end. It's still very well done. Still oh yeah, very well done, Mister Nobody. Being, I got Mr. a bit confused Nobody. for a second though. So clarify for me: the old geezer that she was talking about, not talking to, not Ed Asner, was that the guy that she then squished? No, I think that was somebody else because she said she'd been with that guy for a very long time. That's what I thought. So this was before she became the blob. Oh, because it ended with her getting the phone call. So it probably was the same guy, but years before. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, it makes sense, because I'm sure they were both called Gene, so I figure it was the same guy. But yeah, you're right, the timeline is that this leads up to the point where she joins the film, because of course the end of that little emotional breakdown, she does say, everything that happened to me after that movie happened to me because I deserved it, didn't she? Yeah. yeah it's so. quite a turning point for that character, though. 
we've seen plenty of little turning points all the way through the season, but this is a this is maybe the biggest one that we've seen so far. Well, it's just accepting her blobbiness, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, I don't think it's just her blobbiness, is it? She's accepted everything. She's accepted that she's not a very nice person. She's accepted, almost accepted, be need that she someone needs to be the hero of the piece, and that she's willing to be it if she has to. She's accepted her lack of humanity. Yeah. And again, we've got to we got to see the same sort of conclusion with Larry as well, accepting the negativity inside of him. And I thought we'd seen everything we could with Larry, considering that he'd gone back and seen John and as an old man and John passing away. I thought that was going to be it for Larry and his story of acceptance, but actually there's even more of it here with him choosing to die, which I guess he felt he could because he'd tied up all his loose ends, but then well, I suppose not he'd, dying. He's realised the sacrifice that the spirit had to go through to keep him alive. Now you say, okay, you know what? I've kind of trapped you for so long, it's time you go away and do what we need to do. Did you feel like some of the flashbacks to Larry in the ant farm needed a bit more context? They were, because it never, it didn't always stay on screen, it was a flashback. Every now and then I had to remind myself that it was jumping backwards in time. I kept thinking, why is Larry now trapped in the ant farm? Because everyone else got out of the ant farm and they're now not there anymore. Why is he back there? Mm. It was only because Flex Mentallo was in the room next door that I then kept thinking, right, okay, no, this is a flashback because Flex is out with them I don't know what it, I don't know why it wasn't that I wasn't paying attention it just felt like every so often I had to remind myself that there was two different timelines going on in the episode no, I didn't have that problem so we, we've kind of we've come to a nice round circle with Vic and his relationship with his father yeah I was wholly expecting when he saw the flashbacks to the lab that his dad was going to abduct her and he had killed his mum but no but no his dad is actually just trying to be a nice guy I still don't 100% trust that he's being a nice guy. No, but he's doing that sort of in his best interest. Yeah, it's in his best interest. He's maybe not the ni- he's still not maybe the nicest guy. You saw, was it this episode or was it the last episode where you got more of the history to... When did we see the footage of the dad in the other lab? The last episode. Oh, okay. At the end where Miss Nobby's like, ah, it's yes. all a lie. Oh, it was a lie, wasn't it? So actually, yeah, I see it. There's so many different plot threads, I have to try and keep it all straight in my head, because I was going to say, actually, we saw that footage and that show you didn't really care about Vic at all, but actually that was doctored. Uh, okay, I'll take it back. Maybe he's just being nice then. He's being very parental and trying to protect Protective. him. Yeah. yeah. But Mr. Nobody's sort of pulling the strings and be like, aha, he's not so nice. Yeah. We didn't see the chief in this episode, did we? No, no. we didn't, but it was mentioned a lot. Do you, do you feel like he needs to come back? Obviously, he sh- in terms of the comic books, the Chief should be a very important character, and he is a very important person to all of them. But almost where they are now, with Rita slightly taking charge at the end of this episode, it doesn't... Oh, does it almost doesn't feel like they need a Chief. Well, it kind of feels like they need to get him back to then say, actually, we've we've pulled together, we've saved you, and yeah, that's saved true. us, and then that'd be a very cathartic situation for them to be in. Yep, that is very true, actually. It could work that way. I also... Uh, the only reason it kind of occurred to me like that is that Timothy Dalton isn't listed as a main character in the credits. He's a special appearance by... He's probably very expensive as well. I would imagine he is very expensive. He's James Bond, after all. So he may even die. It could. I that, don't... That could be the... The ultimate end where they come together as a team, they save him, but in the course of saving them, he actually has to sacrifice himself to save them. 
and then they go off and be the Doom Patrol. This is very true. They could. I hadn't anticipated that one at all. Just thinking if he's a very... You know how I was saying in our last episode that I never thought about how Endgame would end? I do, I'm do. i doing it again. I never think how things will end. I don't know how the season will end. Hopefully with a big battle with Mr. Nobody. Would it be in much of a battle, though? Well, it would be like a Doom Patrol-esque battle. True. With a apocalyptic cockroach and an army Really? The biggest thing that we've seen was that fight with the Fooktopian Nazis with Vic... Uh, Vic. Cliff tearing them all apart. And we got a bit of Fooktopia in this episode as well. <laughs> we did. Yes, you've got a mention. Good old animal mineral vegetable man. Thankfully he was only shot in the minerals. In the minerals. <laughs> that was really <laughs> funny. That's what the third episode he's turned up in. That was a really funny moment. I wonder whether they're keeping him back and making sure we kind of remember who he is so that they can bring him back in a future season as somebody a bit more serious. But that was so funny. Thankfully, he was only shot in the minerals. He will be fine. Anything you didn't particularly like in this episode? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Short and sweet. Um, it is uh, it's probably the highlight of my week to watch a bit of Doom Patrol. It makes my week sound really sad. No, not at all. I don't think I would say there's anything in particular I didn't like about this episode either. I'm, I am glad that it feels like it's motoring towards a conclusion now. Yeah, I haven't yeah. not enjoyed the show... But we did have to play catch-up for, what, three weeks? Because we'd stopped watching it. Not on purpose, just kind of by accident. But actually, I felt like I needed a bit of a break because it did get a bit... I don't want to say samey. Samey's not the right thing to say because every episode has been crazy in its own special way. But even the craziness can get a bit repetitive at times. And it felt to me like it needed a bit of purpose. Plus it got so heavy that it felt like therapy. Well, it's just because there's so much character development, isn't there? Because I've got so many issues, it does get a bit... As wild. pointed out by Mr Nobody, we've had 13 weeks of character development. Oh, now time for yeah. some story. I quite like this bit at the end with his DC hat. Yeah. So the final scene, and I hope everyone that's listening to this has seen it, because I didn't give a spoiler warning beforehand, uh, is very uh, very meta. There is, the fourth wall is shattered. Absolutely shattered. With his Doom Patrol hat and his Doom Patrol t-shirt and his Doom Patrol blanket. And his mug. And mug and his Doom Patrol poster. It was it was hilarious. But that's, that is where I think DC deserve a huge amount of credit. Because if you look at other large companies who publish comic books whilst also working in other media, missteps that they have had, because everyone does it, but the missteps that they've had, they've never commented on or made light of. With me? Yes. We, you know, forget about Fantastic Four and oh God. other things where they may have gone wrong. Thank or God. if you look at um, if you look at anything that happens in the future from the world of Hellboy, I doubt they will comment on the film that's just been and gone from the cinema that no one saw. Whereas if you think about DC, DC has had a huge number of amount of bad press over things like Batman vs Superman and Justice League and people saying they're crap and they don't deserve to do what they're doing and one episode's been chopped off the end of Swamp Thing so DC Universe is about to be shut down because it's all terrible and no one's watching it it's making no money but they know how to laugh at themselves if you look at Teen Titans going to the movies it laughed at every other part of the DC Universe and if you look at that one scene 
he rips apart the entire of Doom Patrol, saying, finally, the show you've all been waiting for, not this shit that you've been watching for 13 weeks. And it's, it's self-referential, and it also makes light of the things that people complain about. They know they have their fan base that enjoys stuff, like you and I, but they know they have people that are their detractors, and they're not afraid to point at their detractors and go, we heard you. We know you didn't like it. Probably is pretty bad, but, you know, some people do like it. So I just thought that was that was funny in many different ways, apart from just being part of his character. And just because I know how to say his name, you've got to say, Alan Tudyk is amazing. Bless him. Criminally underused in Aladdin, but we're not allowed to talk about that until 8am on May the 22nd. Tune in on May the 22nd to hear our podcast. Oh, thanks. That's a Wednesday. So oh, we're going oh, no, we'll to tune in then. We'll do we're going to have to bash out an extra one for that now you've said that. Oh, no, we'll stick to our new format. No, you, you've done it now. Week. You've done it now. You've, you've set the expectations. Favourite character in this episode of Doom Patrol? Rita. I would agree. Just because we get to see, we get a real conclusion of her story. We've had a lot of Larry. A lot of Larry. There's been a lot of Larry and he's been amazing. Yeah, and we've had a lot of Vic. But it's nice to have a conclusion to Rita. If I had to say there was a character that was my least favourite, it would probably be Vic. Out of the... That, out of the team. I'm ignoring like Mr Nobody and the Chief. I'm just talking about the Doom Patrol team. I would have to say Cliff. Not that I don't... I'm not saying I don't like Cyborg. I'm presuming you're not saying that you don't like Cliff. No. He's just... Vic, for me, is just the one I find the least interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind Cliff. I liked his appearance in a soap opera this week. Yeah, that was quite good. I just quite... I quite like his relationship with Jane, actually. Yeah. I'd like to see more of Jane. Yep. And the underground... Well, Jane doesn't want to talk about the underground. Well, she's going to have to. She's got some issues. <laughs> she's got more work to do there. Got 64 people to sort out. She does have 64 people to sort out. We got to see one of your favourite Janes this week. Yeah, we got a bit of loved up Karen as well. Making an appearance <laughs> in her, a rom-com style. With her new boyfriend. <laughs> who was not called what her normal boyfriend is called, but had a very close name, so she kept getting it wrong. Yeah. And now I can't remember what that guy's name is. Doug. Doug. Was it Doug? Well, his well, the boyfriend's Doug, but I don't know what that man was called. Wasn't he called Dirk? Or something like that. And she yeah. called him Doug, and he was like, no, it's Dirk! <laughs> I do... Karen is very funny. Karen is quite funny. And a very convincing blonde wig. It is, actually. I just... I believe it wholeheartedly. Who else did we see? There was quite a bit of flip this week. Yes. She didn't really get to speak, but uh, she certainly now knows when she's told what to do. We had a little glimpse of Hammerhead as well. Did we? Well, yeah, she, I think, did she not punch the not Doug? away from her oh that may have been Hammerhead yeah it's hard to tell you've got to look out for that little shimmer effect to know when she's changed personalities she's the one with the super strength so I wonder if we went back and watched the whole season how many of the personalities we could count I wonder how many we've actually seen of the 64 not that many final thoughts on this episode it's a nice conclusion of the character development with a good. I don't setup. think you can say it's a conclusion. Well, no, but like a conclusion of what we've seen in the last thirteen episodes. With our, okay, we're now a team. Yeah, we're happy to be a team, and we're ready to. Kick I think some what you're wanting to say is it's a culmination, not a conclusion. It's a culmination oh. of what we've seen. Sorry, then it's a synthesis of character development that's reached this point where they're ready to move forward and take on. A synthesis. Yeah, it's not an Evanescence album. 
I know, but you're pulling all together information yeah. and coming up with new conclusions. Scores on the doors out of ten? Mm, eight. I'd give this one a... Yeah, I'd give it an eight as well. A solid eight. Well done, Doom Patrol. Next week's episode is called Penultimate Patrol because obviously it's the penultimate episode. So if you want to see the trailer for that one, then it's up on the website now. Just head over to getyourcomicon.co.uk. And hopefully if we uh, remember that we're supposed to be talking about this every week, we'll talk about the next episode in next week's uh, episode. I, I think we will, we will. I used the word episode quite a few times there. We are now going to move on and talk about issue five of The Batman Who Laughs. I was expecting you to laugh then in some maniacal way. I don't think I can. I, I'm not very good at a, like a Joker laugh. I could do like no. a, an evil villain laugh. No, don't. It'll just be embarrassing. Okay. So The Batman Who Laughs, issue five, is written by Scott Snyder, with art by Jock. Colours in this issue are by David Barron, with letters by Sal Cipriano, and Jock also provided the cover. The synopsis for issue five is, It's a battle to the death as Batman goes head-to-head with the Grim Knight. The caped crusader is forced to not only fight off the most evil version of himself, but the growing desire to turn his back on his moral code and commit cold-blooded murder. Any other time, Batman would be able to stay on the straight and narrow, but as the Joker serum finally takes over his body, Bruce Wayne may just succumb to pure evil and kill the Grim Knight. All of this is foreseen by the Batman who laughs, who has been planning for the corruption of Bruce Wayne, banking on him activating the Last Laugh Protocol and turning Gotham City into an incubator for evil. All the Batman Who Laughs needs is one last happy Bruce from another dimension to make his serum work, but only Batman knows where the last Bruce is going to show up. That's a very, very spoilery synopsis. Mm. That almost gave you the entire issue. I have loved this series, but then I love everything that Scott Snyder does, pretty much. I've been hanging on it, like the gaps in between every single issue, and I'm completely ready for the final issue next month. They extended it, didn't they? Oh no, it's seven. Yeah, yeah it's been I forgot about that. It's extended. Thank God for that. So we've got two to go. Wow, there's still a lot to wrap up with just two issues, though. Yeah, there is actually. I mean, thank God they've extended it because then they can really, really wrap it up. Then, or will they wrap it up? I don't know, because it, obviously it's going to go into the Batman vs. Superman series. Not Batman vs. Superman, but you know what I mean. The Batman-Superman series that's starting afterwards. Oh, okay. It's leading into that. Don't worry, I've already subscribed. Oh, very good. But there's just so much going on with this one. It's quite difficult to know where to start. There's an interesting revelation on the Robins. Yeah, well, these are special Robins, he said, for this for this occasion. So do you think these are not the Robins that we saw in Dark Knight's Metal? My presumption has always been that this is three of the Robins. I don't know why, but in my head it's Dick, Tim and Damien. Could be. He had a lot of Robins, though. Did he? See, I always think of the... Because there was that huge statue that was at Comic-Con where he had... It was the Batman who laughs and his three Robins, so I've just always presumed it was three of the Robins. Sorry, Jason, I don't know why I discounted you from the situation. But, I mean, these Robins, he did say that, you know... What did he say? These are special just for him. And so that makes the sense then. They're all James. Oh, little Jimmies. Yeah. Poor Jim. It's not a good time for him when the Joker's around. Any version of the Naked Joker in a circus. Trapped underground with Robin Jokerized versions of his son. Being nibbled to death. I hadn't expected this series to try and redeem James, though. It's a bit weird. Because uh, we've talked about this before. He's crazy. 
Well, yeah, but no, he's not because he, of the way he takes drugs. I know. I don't, I don't know. There's just something I don't want to trust about James Jr. He's not a nice man. No, but, you know, in this in this series, they've, they've he's turned a corner pharmaceutically. <laughs> he has. Yeah. What? Okay. So, I know you picked this one as the one to discuss this week. So... Why did you want to pick this series to discuss? Well, I thought it was a really good series that I'm really enjoying, and it's something that we're both reading as this well. This is true, yeah. So it just makes the conversation flow a bit easier. Otherwise, I would just end up talking about Red Hood and Young Justice. You can always tell us about comics that I haven't read. There's nothing wrong with discussing those. Maybe next week I will pick one and you can pick one. Oh! It's funny, isn't it? Reading Scott Snyder and it not being Greg Capullo. Ah, Mr. Capullo. Yes. Uh, doing the artwork but Jock's artwork in this is really cool I think it's it fits the slightly more grim uh, aesthetic of this book went more of a, like a grim knight aesthetic yes but you know what I mean this isn't I mean Greg Capullo is obviously doing Deceased which is fairly graphic uh, oh well either the cover but his artwork is a little bit more colourful and a little bit more descriptive in terms of things like facial expressions whereas this book is a little bit more about the starkness and the the contrast of the the dark knight and the horrible jokery face of the man who laughs. There's a lot I'm not describing this very well. There's less detail, but it's more graphic in a way. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Any panels that stick out to mind on this issue for you? When uh, when our Batman is still trying to not give in to the serum and he's holding the dead body of old Bruce Wayne and using him as a uh, as a bullet shield. Yeah, there's um, he's also got the one where he's just standing there holding his head. Yes! Because I am the fucking Batman who laughs. I will have yeah. to bleep myself there. Uh, it's, yeah. Do you get, do you ever get the sense that this is a weird, slightly timey-wimey book? Yeah, probably a little bit. There's a Batman who laughs and there's the Grim Knight Batman and then there's our Batman who is turning into the Batman who laughs at the same time as there already is a Batman who laughs. Well, I suppose it depends on the timeline of... Well, you combine that because of had different upbringings to get to that point. Yeah. So our so the Batman in this one is sort of normal up until this point, whereas we've seen the history of the other Batman and how they became laughing and grim. True. So this is just how our universe's Batman ends up in that way. Yeah. Just when you think it's getting pretty interesting, though, you get to what happens on page 13, where you've got the the Batman who laughs in that spotlight. And I kind of had an inclination as to who he was talking to, but it was interesting. So you get that that kind of floating dialogue that's not attached to anybody, where it says, step into the light, go on now, let's have a look at you. And he just says, ta-da! And again, that kind of dis, disenchanted voice. He says, why have you come here? And he explains his little story... And they say, oh, we recognise you. And then obviously when you turn over the page, I mean, if you only look at the top panel, you can kind of get it because you see a couple of the masks from side of face. But from that middle panel, it's like, oh, hang on a minute. Court of the Owls. I thought that was interesting that they wrote in the court because we've not seen them for a little while, really. But to see him go to them and essentially ask for help. But he didn't really... Well, I suppose he wasn't really asking for help, was he? He was looking for Bruce. He was just looking to always wipe them out. He was, but then one of the Bruces is one of the Talons. Yeah, so he then he pulls over the... What? Bruce was a, the head Talon from another world, wasn't he? Yeah. So this is the this is the final Bruce. 
What did you think of the new bat vehicle? That was interesting. Oh, like the weird underground tank. Tank. Yeah, so it's like a big armoured tube thing. I quite like it. Although I do wonder where he finds the time to build all this stuff. I wonder where he finds the time to build all this stuff. Or who does he or does he does he get somebody to build it for him? I don't know. I like the uh, the dialogue that leads up to it. It's quite funny though, with his uh, good work, James. Stay where you are. I'm sending a vehicle now. And then James says to him, "The Grim Knight. He's booby trapping the roots. To get us out at this point, you'll need a boat, a plane, maybe a, d- a damn tank. What kind of vehicle could you send? Would possibly help." And he just says, "Simple." A bat one. <laughs> Makes sense, really. Kind of negates the fact that it needs to be anything. Mm. It's just a big hunking bat thing that can do whatever it needs to do for the story. Silly James. <laughs> what do you think about this whole last laugh protocol thing? I mean, it's an interesting concept to sort of... It almost sounds a bit like an updated No Man's Land. That's exactly what I thought when I was reading it, that Batman has this plan to... So what is it? Um, I'm trying to find the dialogue just as I'm looking at it. So it will. It puts Gotham into a quarantine zone. Will eliminate any chance of the Batman who laughs infecting the water supply. Effective immediately, it will dismantle Gotham's entry points, disconnecting it from the national grid, outside water resources, and everything else. It does. It's, it's like a enforced no man's land. So we're kind of saying that his end game is to turn Gotham into some giant nightmare hole. Which would bring us completely full circle on. Metal, because that's what happened in Dark Knight's Metal. Yeah. That's supposed to be his ultimate plan, is to make Gotham this hell. But then it obviously all goes horribly wrong at the end. Because they realise that that's what the Batman Who Laughs wants them to do, but then Bruce does it anyway. So I'm wondering what's going to happen next. Well, he's too far gone, isn't he? He's got the serums in him, it's all just gone a bit wrong, really. I think we may have just seen the lowest point of the book, so I'm kind of... I am really intrigued to see where it goes next month. I'm hoping. I mean, we've not really seen much of the Bat family, so we're going to bring other people in to sort of. I don't know. You're right. Actually, we haven't around, seen anybody apart or... from James and uh, Jim. <laughs> All the Jay Gordons. You know, you're saying that this is leading into Batman Superman. Will there be a bit yeah? Of so I suppose Superman may be coming into it at some point. I don't really know what the connection between the two of them is. Google tells me, however that Batman and Superman will be uniting to uncover the Secret Six. So up in the sky, in the dark of night, trust no one, for the Secret Six walk among us. Spinning out of the devastating events of DC's The Batman Who Laughs, Superman and Batman join together once more in an all-new monthly comic book, and they're facing a terrifying new threat that could strike from anywhere. Writer Joshua Williamson, who's currently working on Flash Year One, uh, and artist David Marquez from Civil War Two slash Avengers, so a Marvel artist, announced today in an interview with THR's Heat Vision that the DC's World's Finest Heroes will be teaming up in Batman slash Superman, debuting in August. To launch the new DC series, the first arc of Batman Superman will follow the two titular heroes as they hunt down six infected heroes in the DCU, people revealed to be infected by the Batman who laughs with a deadly pathogen that violently transforms them into the evilest versions of themselves. The Dark Knight and the Man of Steel must journey into the depths of Gotham City to learn which of their fellow heroes has been transformed into the horrifying horseman of their most dangerous and deranged foe ever. Oh, that's quite exciting. That's quite spoilerific as well, really, because we're almost saying that Batman's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming he's going to go over this infection, and as a result of that, they're going to infect six other heroes. I'm guessing they're going to be part of the Bat family in some respect, if they're all in the depths of Gotham. Probably. But it's still quite exciting. 
Yeah. So the first issue comes out on August 14th, so we'll have plenty to read about when we get to there. Overall thoughts on this one? Uh, I haven't written a review for this one yet, but I need to. Um, I'm thinking for this issue, I'd probably give it a 7 out of 10. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'd probably go... Yeah, about a 7 as well, actually. Yeah. It's not... It's a great little series overall, and I think it's probably one that if you were to pick it up as a trade paperback and read it in one go, it would be pretty exciting start to finish. But having had the kind of month gap in between, you sometimes it's a bit like, well, okay, I have to remember what's going on. Particularly on top of everything else that I'm reading at the moment, but certainly one of the better miniseries we've had so far this year. Yeah, I'm quite enjoying it, so I'm looking forward to the next month's issue. That's it for our comic book talk this week. We will uh, bring back a couple of issues to talk about next week. Now we are going to talk about Justice League versus The Fatal Five, which came out a few weeks ago, but we've only just watched this in the last couple of days. It is the most recent of the DC animated movies to release on Blu-ray and DVD. I say that because Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is out this week on digital, although that itself doesn't come out on uh, physical media until June. So before we get down to a quick chat about this one, and a competition! Ooh. Have a little listen to uh, to a little sneaky peek of Justice League versus the Fatal Five. You all right, son? We need to know what he knows. He doesn't even know what he knows. It's a ship. We've come to the right place, Superman. He claims he's from the 31st century. I'm Jessica. Everyone knows Limelight. The Fatal Five are coming! Well, well, ye old Justice League. I didn't know you had powers, Thomas. Metropolis will be by the first of your cities to be flattened. Or hand over the lantern. We don't negotiate with terrorists, even the 31st century kind. We stop our enemies before they even start. No one's responding to our call. Heard you were grabby. Synopsis for Justice League versus the Fatal Five is the Justice League battles the Fatal Five, which are made up of Tharak, Emerald Empress, Validus, and Mano the Persuader. That's actually the entire synopsis that is here on my screen. <laughs> There's not a lot else to say, really. There's just a league, they fight the Fatal Five, and then they go home. A lot more happens in the actual film itself, though. Yeah. So this film stars Elias Gable as Thomas Keller slash Starboy, Diane Guerrero as Jessica Cruz slash Green Lantern. Where do we know Diane Guerrero from? She's a bit crazy. She's got 64 personalities. <laughs> Kevin Conroy stars as Batman. Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman, George Newbern as Superman. So this next name, I'm going to get completely wrong. This, I, I'm going to, I will spell it for you. Daniela, and her surname is spelled B-O-B-A-D-I-L-L-A. So that would either be uh, Bobadilla, or Bobdilla, <laughs> as Miss Martian. 
Kevin Michael Richardson as Mr. Terrific and Killawog and additional voices. Yeah. Noel Fisher as Brainiac 5, Peter Jessup as Tharok, Tom Kenny as Bloodsport, slash Salak, slash Jessica's Ring, slash additional voices, and Matthew Yanking as the Persuader slash Arkham Director. I should actually also add, you've got Summer Lee Montano as Emerald Empress, Philip Anthony Rodriguez as Mano, and Tara Strong, that staple of DC animation as Saturn Girl, slash Harley Quinn, slash Poison Ivy, slash additional voices, and Bruce Tim, starred as the voice of Two-Face. Mm. He was also the voice of Validus. So this was a really interesting movie. This was completely not what I was expecting when we put it on. I hadn't... I knew they'd made a big deal of the fact that Diane Guerrero was starring in it and that she was Crazy Jane and then she was going to be Jessica Cruz and that they were showing a slightly different team of the Justice League. I hadn't anticipated quite how important she was going to be to the story overall. Yeah, no, I, was, I don't know what I was expecting from this film. I was a bit like, oh, it's not characters that we normally see, but that's No, good. but it was, I thought it was really cool to step into Bruce Timm's universe, but to completely update it. So you had, obviously, Conroy and then Susan Eisenberg and George Newbern come back as the Trinity, but to take away... Flash and... I was about to say Flash and Barry Allen. Uh, Flash and Hal Jordan's Green Lantern. And there's always normally Hawkgirl and Martian Manhunter. I thought it was interesting to take them away and replace them with some younger characters and some different characters. So Mr. Terrific was a slightly left-field choice. Yeah. Miss Martian was cool to have her in there, kind of giving you a bit of a link to sort of Young Justice and that area of the world. But then to have Jessica Cruz... I was a bit confused to begin with because I always think of Jessica Cruz as being... Green Lantern at the same time as Baz but it was interesting to see her on her own and it was very much a film about her it really was, a lot more than I expected and it was nice to explore a slightly different character rather than just exploring a new villain or a new problem for the Justice League yeah, because the villains, we didn't really see a huge amount of the villains really, they were just there they were there when they had a purpose but their purpose was slightly secondary I think, to exploring Jessica. Jessica and her mental health issues and also then reflecting that into Starboy and his mental health issues as well and how they both come to kind of accept what they see as their flaws and how they become the heroes that they become because they're able to accept themselves. Very Doom Patrol-esque in a way. Yeah, I quite like it from that point of view actually. I would say that the story of the villains does get a little bit lost in all of that though. Like the, From our perspective they were just there. They weren't the most interesting of villains. You had that great little bit at the beginning that was in the future, so you got to see the Legion, which was quite quite cool. And then, obviously, everyone travelled back in time and we reintroduced the Justice League and you saw kind of where they were now. But all the interesting bits were about the heroes. They weren't about the Fatal Five. No, they were, like I said, they were just sort of... They were there because they really needed a protagonist in the story. They were all... You could almost say the same thing of the Trinity... They were there, and it was great to hear those voices, but they were really just a vehicle for Starboy and for Green Lantern. Yes, correctly. Yeah. Or the limelight, as they called it. But at the same time, I thought the film was very steeped in the DC universe, so you had references to Hawkgirl and Nth Metal, you went to Arkham Asylum and you saw Harley and you saw Two-Face and you saw Poison Ivy. More so than a lot of the other Bruce Tim projects, I thought this was very... I guess in a way it's almost like an extended episode of Justice League Unlimited. It had that much wider DC Universe feel to it. 
when you think about Batman the Animated Series and the movies that went along with it, they were Gotham. And it didn't go outside of that very much. You didn't have Wonder Woman pop in or Superman pop in particularly. Whereas this was very wide-reaching. I agree. It did feel like a, a per, an extended episode of Justice League Unlimited. Do you have any standout moments for the film? I think just Jessica Cruz's arc, really. From hearing her talk about struggling to leave the house to not wanting to put the ring on to then seeing her in a therapy session to then where she is at the end of the movie where she accepts and becomes a fully fledged member of the league yeah I quite like that and it's quite nice to see her sort of develop as a character because you know we, we saw her originally way way back in the comics yeah and it's good that they've, they've kept her on I think she's been very successful as a character yeah. she certainly stuck around really for a long time a lot longer than many people expected her to in the comic books I thought she had a good relationship with Starboy in this film as well. Yeah, she did, actually. Weird seeing a bit of nudity in a Bruce Tim, in Bruce Tim's animation style. I mean, when you think about the killing joke, obviously, that went to different places. But this was very much in that style of DC animation that you grew up with, and then you, you got a bit of Starboy walking around in the nude, trying to get his... Medication? Yes, I couldn't think of the name of it. I couldn't think of it. <laughs> There's a lot of action in this film as well. When you think that it was only... What did I say? It was an hour and 17 minutes? Yeah. We got half an hour in. I saw the clock and it was half. It was bang on 30 minutes and we'd almost done nothing but action for that entire half an hour. It took a long time for the film to settle down and tell a bit of story instead of just doing like fight after fight after fight. There was a, it's, a very, it's a very busy film from start to finish. Yeah, it is actually. So it's almost like fight, 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 fight. Bit of story... Fight, 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 yeah, I suppose there was still. I mean, there was a fair amount of talking. There was a fair amount of sciency bits in there as well, where they were exploring the orb and trying to figure out what was inside it. And then when they went to Oa, there was again before the big fight scene on Oa, there was a fair amount of chat that went on there as well. I think there was just a very strong message they wanted to tell behind the film, and that message probably slightly overrode the storyline in a way. I think it did. I mean. I think it was a very strong storyline of Jessica and Starboy and everything else was almost a sort of filler. I definitely wouldn't say it was filler. I wouldn't agree with that at all. I don't think it was I didn't get the I didn't get a filler sense from it. I just got a sense of there was a lot of spectacle to it and they'd focused on those those two characters with Starboy and, and Jessica Cruz and that it meant that there was very little time to do anything else. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> you just retract your point there. Well, I couldn't think of the words I was trying to say. Filler clearly was the wrong word to use. Was the, no, not at all. There's nothing. If that's your opinion, that's your opinion. I'm not trying to tell you your opinion is wrong. I'm trying to tell you that I just disagree with your opinion on that. What are your overall thoughts of this film, then, as a package? I think it was enjoyable. I think it was very action-packed. But I think it missed the mark slightly in terms of its characters around the two central focal points. And what would you give it out of ten? I would say that's probably a six out of ten for me. Okay. What about you? I would agree. So it was an alright film. I kind of, I did lose interest in the middle a bit. I found myself sort of wandering off to do other things. Yeah. But it was, and you know, I liked the I liked the storyline of Jessica, and I liked the storyline of Starboy. I felt like I didn't really get any story out of the Fatal Five. 
or sort of background to them and their their point really. Oh, really, there was a lot of flashbacks on them. Yeah, I just I don't know what it is. I just couldn't connect with them. I don't okay, know, because no, I'm it not, makes sense. I mean, I'm not overly of... familiar with them anyway. Yeah, so... exactly. That's what I was about to say. You don't. If you're not familiar with them, there probably isn't enough exposition around them to make them particularly interesting yeah. characters. And I don't really know huge amounts about the Legion either, other than what I've seen in Supergirl, the yeah. TV programme. So for me, it was alright, but I probably wouldn't rush to watch it again. Scores out of ten? Probably a five and a half. Okay. So we've got a copy of Justice League versus The Fatal Five, a little limited edition gift set to give away on Blu-ray. It's got a digital copy of the movie as well as a action figure of Starboy, very highly sought after. We will be giving that away along with some little Get Your Comic Con badges so that you can join the Legion of Super Friends. So all you have to do to win it is uh, follow us on Twitter at Get Your Comic Con and retweet the competition tweet which will go live shortly after this episode launches. So best of luck to everyone and enjoy the movie. It is, despite our criticisms, it is an enjoyable watch and definitely worth adding to your collection. That is all from us this week. We will be back next week in the run-up to MCM Comic Con. Next week is our last weekend before the convention, so it's going to be a busy one for us getting ready for that. We will have more chat, more comic books, more TV. Don't know about movies. Don't think we've got any big movies coming up this week. No. We got to see Aladdin this week, but we're not allowed to talk about it yet. So we will bring you a chat about that one in the future. So until then, we will see you next time. Bye! Bye!